Hi, this is Mike Levine for Triumph, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 163. My name is Brando, and as of, I believe, an hour ago, as I'm recording this, uh, I guess these transitional parts of the podcast, because I interviewed, and it's coming up in just a few couple minutes, uh, Mike Levine of Triumph. And I also did another fan obsession segment with one of you, one of the uh, the loyal listeners of the AFD show, uh, Lee Williams. And we're going to get to both of those conversations, but I don't know if it's breaking news. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I can't even contain myself. Uh, Izzy Stradlin has tweeted Happy holidays. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so Izzy, I guess, still uses Twitter, although everything he's ever tweeted has been deleted. So I don't know. Maybe he thinks Twitter is Snapchat. Whatever. Izzy Stradlin, he he says happy holidays. So I'm recording this uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, I'm excited to to share the, the interviews of both uh, Michael Levine from Triumph with you and the conversation I also had with Lee Williams because they're both pretty special. To, of course, interview somebody from such a legendary band as Triumph is, is special. And it's where this podcast can go to when we can get some, you know, cool Guns N' Roses stories for maybe they're not the obvious Guns N' Roses people. And, and whether it's somebody like Lee, a fan, and others who have come on, uh, listeners, whether it be co-host or we do the fan obsession segments, you tell your GNR stories and we find out other awesome things about you. So it's the same thing with... With Mike Levine of Triumph. <laughs> he just happens to be super famous. And um, to, it's one of those shorter interviews, if you're familiar with the podcast, uh, since I also work for uh, iHeartRadio and Premier Radio Networks, this podcast is kind of like a, a very convenient hobby that I have since I work in radio and happen to do it. And my bosses let me do it because they see that I'm doing a good job with it, which is just fantastic. But I still got to do my job, which one of the... The things in my, my, my repertoire here is to conduct these radio morning tours. So somebody just like Mike Levine, who has something to promote, he they are set up with us, our premier radio networks, to schedule and connect with radio stations all across the country and sometimes Canada to uh, for like a media blitz, right? I mean, they're recorded usually in the mornings here, but they're, you know, they can be aired whenever, you know, uh, that's in the case of what I'm doing, I guess. Uh, that's maybe a little too, that's a boring fourth wall. You don't give a shit about that. Uh, so, but Mike is promoting the the 30th, uh, the release of, the and it's the 30th anniversary re-release of their Classics album. So their Greatest Hits album, which came out 30 years ago. Uh, and I don't know how old you are, the specific person I'm talking to right now. But I was six I was six years old when Triumph had their greatest hits, so they were already established and 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 you know legendary at their time that time. But now they're re-releasing it as a double LP pressed on a 180 gram uh, silver vinyl, which is pretty badass. And 
You know, I I love when these classic rock bands who are just still, and I'm going to say it because it's going back to the 70s, man, or 80s, they're groovy as shit. <laughs> I, I love it. So just listening to Triumph and psyching myself up for the interview, you know, put me in a really cool mood. And just there aren't many bands out there like Triumph. So uh, they reunited briefly. Uh, we'll see if they, they reunite again. It's tis the season of, of reuniting. So hang out. I'm going to I'm gonna start the conversation where since I'm doing this entire, which is longer than most interviews, it's I think he's t- talking to stations across the country for three, three and a half hours, talking to 20 different stations, including me. We're going to talk about that. So this is me transitioning from... The, uh, the previous station that he was just talking to when I was doing my job pressing buttons and all that fun stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's me talking. All right, so we're going to have some fun. Then after that, we're going to do Fan Obsession, but first, Mike Levine of Triumph. All right, next up, Mike, is actually me. I'll be interviewing you. Oh. <laughs> well, fuck, fuck you. I'm sick of you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm love it. I'm sick of talking. I'm sick of everything. I, I, I don't know why I agreed to do this. I, I know. It's a lot, isn't it? Uh, this is a long tour. Most artists don't have it two-plus hours. Yeah, I know. Like, Chips, when Chip first told me, she said, it's 9 to 11. You probably do 15 stations or 10 stations or whatever, you know, 10 minutes each. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Comes in last night, and I'm just going, like, this is three and a half hours, for Christ's sake. I know. We even edited another one, so there's two more after me. But, well, I'll try to make this oh. one painless. <laughs> Okay, so, I've been having fun. I'm just losing my voice. That's oh, all I'm worried about. I hear. I understand. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll do my jibber jabber and take up some time for you. Um, yeah. So it's been a unique opportunity for me to be on the other end of your morning radio tour to try to you know ask you questions you haven't been asked over and over again. But there's okay. another unique perspective uh, perspective that I believe that I have because of course today you're talking about the the, the release of 30 years ago of your your greatest hits the the classics uh, so 30 years later so you may remember what you were doing 30 years ago me I don't remember because I was only six years old so <laughs> I may be the only person who has you know didn't technically grow up with triumph however I grew up in, in a way and it's been nice to hear you talk about radio uh so often because I, I you know a lot of classic rock radio experience in my history so i guess the first question would be is because while i was doing classic rock radio rush was overplayed triumph was underplayed has anyone ever said that you know do you even have that perspective that maybe here in america you didn't get quite the love as as, as a rush um you know, I I think um, I I never got that vibe from radio, by the okay. way, at all. Um, I I would because I was so intim, intim, intimately involved in the promotion end of stuff and working the records. You know, I knew how many spins we were getting on WFBQ in Indianapolis. You know, where I could phone, you know, just phone somebody and find out, but. Uh, on, a, on an airplay basis, our our songs for years always charted higher than Rush Rush's on album radio. Okay, interesting because again, it's my my perspective where you know cl- working for classic rock radio almost ruined a lot of songs for me because radio would play a, a lot of the same right. and in overkill, and yeah. that's why for me Triumph always stood out because I'm like it wasn't overplayed again for me in my perspective. 
Uh, right. And I, re- I really didn't answer your question well because I was talking about when the current records wrote. I wasn't speaking on the classic rock level. Oh, okay. So, you know, so yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, Rush, Rush does get more love from classic rock radio than Triumph does. For sure. Well, which is, you know, no slight to them, but it's unfortunate because, you know, you're another power trio and and look at all the you you just got asked to do a three hour morning radio tour. And so obviously all these years later, the love is still there for for the band. And while perhaps the the love is uh, overdue for for Triumph is could you say the same thing for the walk of of fame, the Canadian walk of fame? Is that similar to the Hollywood Walk, walk of fame we have here? Uh, yeah, it's like stars in the sidewalk, but it's 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 more it's it's more than just music or actors. It's whereas the Hollywood one is strictly entertainment. Uh, ours is entertainment, uh, sports, business, uh, you know, uh, philanthropy, uh, architecture, you know, whatever. You know, the famous Canadians that have really changed the world in some way, shape, or form. And uh, so it's 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 really quite a. I think there's like maybe 100 people or 110. So this year's class makes it 118 or something like that. Okay. But uh, it's uh, you know people that have done something very special. You know that's kind of what it is. And and whatever uh, their their business, whatever their life that their life's work was. That's what it's about. And yeah. what and what pains me a little bit because I was happy this morning when I posted a picture of you talking about the upcoming interview. You were wearing my favorite hockey team's jersey, the Islanders, but you were <laughs> inducted along with I guess your friend. You said it uh, to another uh, host this morning, but you're friends with Mark Messier from the Rangers and of course the uh, the Oilers. So, do you still, after all these years, do you kind of uh, kind of like geek out a little bit when you see a Mark Messier? Or, or is it just you guys are just kind of both celebrities and you just rub elbows? How does that? Do you get awed by meeting well, anybody? Oh, you know, I get awed by meeting people that are at the top of their game. You know, that's like that that you really respect. I just go, you know, it's such a such a pleasure, you know, to meet you and press flesh with you or even to say hello to you. It's like you, you know, for sure, you know, people that that have immense talent uh, that I respect. It's. Even that I don't respect if they have immense talent, it's always, it's always a little bit of uh, you know you go wow that's what's his name you know or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I love your hockey jersey collection. It just it's just I get such a kick out of it. How did that that start for you? Because that that's kind of like a staple of yours to wear right to wear hockey jerseys on stage. Yeah, that was um, we we have we all disagree on how that started. You know, I have my memory, Rick has his, and Gil has his. So I'm not sure what the truth is. But it did start at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, where there was a hockey jersey hanging in our dressing room. And Rick says it was for him. And I said, I think it was just hanging there that anybody could wear it. So I grabbed it, and I said, I'm going to wear it. And that's kind of, the rest kind of went on. And, you know, as the band, uh, you know, that picture started getting around. Any time we played an NHL building, uh, there was a hockey jersey in the in the dressing room. I, mean, I love it because we have that in common because growing up, I, I probably have like 30 
hockey jerseys. But to move on from this, because I don't want to get into talking about John Tavares, you know, the Maple Leafs and Islanders. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sensitive subject for me. <laughs> I bet. And, uh, <laughs> and I know uh, our time is short, but even though you've been talking for a long time, uh, I, I'm not sure if you saw the name of my podcast. I do it a little bit differently. It's called Appetite for Distortion. So I have a kind of a... I saw that. Okay, yeah. so you did see that. So I always look for a six degrees of, instead of Kevin Bacon, GNR Bacon connection to my guest. So unless you can tell us another one if you know it. But the connection from Guns N' Roses to Triumph is Mike Klink. Mike Klink, of course, produced Appetite yeah. for Destruction and a bunch of your albums. So uh, what can you tell us about working with Mike Klink? No, I like Mike. Actually, we're working on a project together now. So oh, wow. That's, uh, um, yeah, Mike did, uh, did Sport of Kings with us, um, which was his first production job. And he got Appetite for Destruction because of his work with Triumph. Look at that. And his personality, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, so the, the Clankster, um, uh, you know, he was fun to work with. He's very level-headed, very, very low-key, you know, keeps... Uh, a very low profile. You know, it doesn't get in your face like some producers slash engineers do. Sure. So, uh, Mike was just, a, you know, he was fabulous to work with. Right on. And and real quick, do you have any untold, like have you ever come across any of the Guns N' Roses guys in your your career? Obviously different kind of eras, but you never know. Yes, yes, yes. Slash, if you read Slash's book, he talks about he and I getting arrested in L.A., you know, I read it a long time ago, but I don't remember that story. Can you uh, retell that yeah. real quick? Yeah, it was. Um, we were working with Sport of Kings album. We were working at Record Plant, and I was uh, going. There's a Seven Eleven uh, at the corner of uh, La Cienega, and uh, I went away one Holloway, and I stopped in there. It was like two or three in the morning. And I, I stopped there to pick up some beer to take back to the studio and grab some cigarettes or something or some cookies. And I come walking out of the store, and a police car comes ripping into the parking lot, lights flashing, hands up against the car, blah, 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 blah. Right? And I go, like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, well, you're under arrest. Well, what am I under arrest for? Well, you're under arrest for uh, attempting to drink and drive. And I go, excuse me? You've got to be kidding me. So <laughs> uh, they cuff me and throw me in the back of the car. Threw me a police car. And lo and behold, this guy looks at me and goes, you're Mike Levine from Triumph. And it's Slash. He's one of his buddies. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Did they let you go right away or no? No. No, I spent the night in jail. I had to get bailed out. All right, rock and roll. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to continue hanging out on the radio tour, but I appreciate yeah. your time on, on my podcast, and I can't wait to no you know experience classics at the appropriate age this time. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Now, before we get to fan obsession, let me just say I did read Slash's book. Clearly, I have killed many brain cells since then because there are – so many times that something comes up and when one of you out there reminds me, oh, this was in Slash's book. This was in uh, – I didn't read Duff's. I read Stevens. Uh, what, the other one was the, the band The Time Forgot. I did read that, uh, but I forgot <laughs> a lot of details. I tend to remember more from movies than reading. That might explain what kind of a, uh, a student I was. I'm glad I have 
the brain cells that I do. I can tie my my own shoes, but uh, but I just wanted to make mention of that so that didn't get lost. No, I did read Flash's book when it came out, which was so many years ago. I wish I could retain that information. Oh, well, uh, that's why you are better than me, and that's why I love doing this segment, something, something we call Fan Obsession. Fan Obsession. Where we talk to you, the listener. You don't have to be famous just to have a great story. Yes, Mike Levine is famous, and he has great stories, but the non-famous have stories, too. And that's no slight to the rest of us. I'm included in that. I'm not famous. So uh, today, I don't have quite as beautiful as an accent, awesome of an accent, uh, classy of an accent. That's probably the best way to say it. Uh, Lee Williams. I thought it was Leah at first because it's L-E-A, but it's Lee Williams, right, calling uh, from overseas, calling from the U.K.? Yeah, it, it started off as Lee, and that's kind of how it's progressed. It's short for Leanne. Okay. But most people know me okay. personally or professionally as Lee. All right. Well, uh, Miss L, <laughs> you can shorten it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're just one of, I mean, I'm, I'm so appreciative of every single person that inboxes me on, on the Appetite for Distortion Facebook page or Twitter page. You know, I'm always humbled, like people are following this page, people are, are listening to the podcast. It's just, I'm always overwhelmed and, and, and surprised, I guess, all these years into it. Uh, but you specifically, you know, I'm sure you're one of many who have who've had some great Guns N' Roses experiences as a fan and... I don't know them yet. We're going to talk about that. But I wanted to have you on today because you helped with an upcoming interview that we're going to do that I have announced. Uh, Jimmy Webb, who owns a uh, very high fashion rock and roll uh, clothing store here in New York City called I Need More. And if you are a Guns N' Roses fan, you know exactly who he is. He's great friends with the McKagan family. He's friends with Slash, uh, with, with Iggy Pop. He, you know, he goes back to the Studio 54 days. He's just a, a quite an interesting character, and I'm even more excited to get him in studio. And you helped set that, up that interview, and assuming, you know, the time zones uh, work out, you're going to be the, the co-host for the, that episode. That's something that I always like to reward my wonderful listeners with, uh, with co-hosting uh, people. You, even though you're from the UK, you... Went to his store before I did, and I live, you know, whatever, half an hour away from it. And you set it up. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what were like you? Have you come to New York often? I feel like this is a bad date. Do you come to New York often? As much as I would genuinely love to, and maybe in the future I'll be able to hop over, shall we say? I mean, eight hours is natural to hop over, but um, it was a very short quick window of time that I had in my diary obviously with my job I never know what's around the corner but it was just really opportunity to spend a little bit of time with him talk about what's going to happen for next year what we're going to be doing um and he's such a do you know what you are genuinely going to love having him because he's just such an amazing above all being an amazing human he's there's an enigma about Jimmy that you cannot describe. There's a, there's something about what he does, what he stands for. is so incredibly rare. He really is what, when people talk about one in a million, 
he is the he is that he really is one in a million one of the most loveliest humans with the biggest heart that's you you do hear about stories about people that allegedly exist and he does and he genuinely does and he is amazing you're gonna love him how did you come across him because for, for me it was doing this guns and roses podcast is it because you're a guns and roses fan does it does his work kind of tie into what you do? How did you come across, you know, you made this trip and you had a short window and you, you know, used your time to go meet him. How did you uh, find out about Jimmy Webb? Me and Jimmy have known one another for about 12 months now. It's coming up for 12 months. And we met through a mutual friend here in the UK. Um, so we have been friends for what well, it seemed hell of a lot you know much much longer than a year but my jackets and denims are stocked in his store so i send shipments over to the states every few months i do one of a kind pieces for him hand painted um jackets that he sells in the store and it, that's where it really began. It was, uh, you know, a, a business thing to begin with. But I'd like to think, you know, we've become really, really good friends. We have great conversations about the most random things. But essentially, when you think, of, when you think of, you know, what I do as a job, so I make custom rock and roll jackets, denims, hand painted, one of a kind. Um, it it felt right to approach him to see if it was something that he may be interested in. And I approached Jimmy probably way before we actually properly became connected. And as you probably know yourself, that when you're when you're, you're trying to connect with people, it goes unnoticed. You kind of move on to the next thing or the next person or the next company that you want to speak to. And, and, it, and it kind of falls by the wayside. But sure. you, we kind of ended up, being connected through a friend anyway and the rest has just been it's been you know such a beautiful relationship i won't lie well, he's such an amazing soul. that's and, awesome that, that that's really awesome how did you then get into making these one-of-a-kind pieces leather jackets denim because you know because it's like the rock star look right i i sent my my girlfriend a picture of of Slash in uh, denim with all patches and pins. And I say that specifically because for me growing up, the, all the rock stars would, would do that, whether it would be the old school rockers or even, you know, when, when Hot Topic, uh, you know, promoted wearing pins on everything. Uh, but I, I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to do anything. So I've literally had my grandma. Uh, she sewed on the GNR Lies album cover on a black hoodie. And wow. my girlfriend, I I cut up a Chinese Democracy T-shirt that I had when I saw them in O2, and I, uh, I, I, I the shirt was too big, so I couldn't wear any. Um, I just couldn't wear it. So she sewed the, the shirt on the back of a denim, and I had pins and everything. And she's like, "Oh, that's so cool!" When we first started dating, and then she's like, "I want one of those." So I bought her a leather jacket, and ever since then, wherever we go, we 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 look for a pin or a patch and just to put it together. So, because it's you know we're both wannabe rock stars, how did you yeah. how did you get into it? So for me, this goes way back to when I was twelve, thirteen. So that is 
uh, many years ago, shall we say. Sure. Um, you're going back to the early 90s. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, early 90s, which was kind of when I discovered rock and roll. That's when I discovered Black Sabbath, Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, White Snake, Le- Def Leppard, you know, the, the your typical style of, of rock band. And I had my own fringed leather jacket. It was miles too big for me. You know, I'm not particularly tall anyway. I've still got it now. This this jacket is 30-odd years old. But nice. as I got a little bit older, I got a little bit more into the music, you understand a little bit more about what it all stands for. As an art student, for me, it was all about creating art that related back to my interests. So as when I was, you know, left school, I failed miserably my art at school. And I mean, I, I failed flat on my face. They didn't get what I was trying to do. I designed an album cover for Bon Jovi. It was pretty awesome, but they didn't get what I was trying to do. And it was very frustrating. Fortunately, when I went to college, the tutors could see what I was trying to achieve. And they, I managed, despite failing, they fast-tracked me through. And I can remember very vividly walking from my parents' house to the college with my big art box, sleeve under my arm, Walkman, listening to Appetite, thinking and imagining what life would be being able to actually create art either for the band or connected to the band or somehow, you know, bearing in mind I was only 40, I was only 15 at that time. Mm. So that's kind of where it started. But going through, you're going into sort of mid to late 90s now, the dawn of the digital age, everything was done on computer. It didn't sit right with me. I couldn't quite get to grips with the idea of creating fashion on a computer it was like no i've got to physically do it and and the rock and roll you know as rock and roll progressed sort of in the 90s it became a little bit old-fashioned shall we say you know you look in you look at then it was the dawn of Britpop. so blur oasis was all very popular and here's me still walking around in this massive leather jacket i was kind of uncool (laughs) And when, when you're a little bit uncool and you're in a, you know, a, a college and you're quite young and everybody else is just really cool, you just kind of think, well, what am I actually doing this for? But, you know, as you get a little bit older, you start going into work, you start earning money, you kind of forget about that a little bit. So then I progressed into transport and then banking. So I was, a, I was corporate banking for 12 years and... It was only by sheer chance and a conversation at a coffee machine that I actually got into back into doing artwork and customising things. And it was just a natural, completely natural way to go back to what I should have been doing all them years ago. And I've worked hard. I've worked every, you know, I'm seven, seven years, nearly eight years down the line now. It has morphed from where it was to where it is now, seven years ago. I mean, even I look at my standard seven years and go and think, oh, you've done pretty well to get this far, in all fairness. But it's like anything, when when you're rediscovering something that was your dream from when you were a kid, it does take time 
you know, it's not an overnight thing. It does take time, patience and practice. You know, anybody will tell you, Slash will tell you that you, you, you have to practice, constantly practice, which is kind of, you know, got me to the standard where I am now. But the same thing always remained. It was all about the passion for what you believe in and what you're interested in. So everything I've ever created, jackets, shoes, handbags, is always come back to the love of the music, the people, the characters. I'm a big fan of Lemmy. Again, the Stoke connection is there, slash the, the Stoke connection. Sure. It's very much, I believe, rock and roll's a lifestyle. It's not necessarily something that you listen to. It's part of who you are. It's part of your character. It's part of your DNA. If you come through my house, you'll see it's full of different little bits of paintings that have done, um, see there's, there's just everything. It's a hot, for, for, it is a lifestyle. And again, that's Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's philosophy as well. Rock and roll is a lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. It's not, you know, it's not just putting the jacket on and walking out and then saying, oh, yeah, I'm a fan of Guns N' Roses. It, 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 it's encompassing and everything. And it's just something – it's hard – sometimes it's really hard to explain why I focus a lot on bands like Guns N' Roses, for example, but it just is. It's just it's just completely natural. I can't – sometimes I just can't explain it. It just, it just is. Sure. It's when you go to whether it's a Guns N' Roses concert or another one or any any band or artist, do you have to make a specific piece for yourself to show off when you go to a show, or is it are you just like everybody else and maybe wear a band T shirt, or do you actually, uh, or I guess maybe not always, but do you sometimes do you have to make a a special piece for a special concert? Um. Not particularly, no. Okay. I mean, I've had, I've, I've made myself, or I should say, I painted myself the Appetite logo on the back of my own jacket, which I bought secondhand. I bought this lovely little um, cropped biker jacket that was a few years ago a bit small. It's still a bit small, but not as small. So I do wear it. It's great, but it it was it's a great eighties style cut beautiful quality leather and i always wanted an appetite jacket now anybody that knows an artist we're 99 percent of the time really really skint but if you can do the job yourself you know do the job yourself so yeah. me i created that for me and that travels every i've been to meetings in that jacket um i've been to gigs in that jacket i've been i did school run in that jacket that jacket comes everywhere with me again it's just an extension but specifically for gigs i don't tend to because most of my time is spent doing things for other people a lot of people ask questions and you do want to enjoy the gig rather than being talking about work because because what i do is it is my job you know it pays my bills pays my mortgage and as lovely as it is to talk to people a lot of the time about what I do and there is opportunity to, you know, to bring extra business in, sometimes I just don't want to. Sometimes I won't and sometimes it'll just be completely normal like anybody else. But sure. for next year, something special's got to happen, hasn't it? <laughs> now, assuming you didn't wear any of your pieces to a GNR show, what Guns N' Roses shows have you been to uh, in your in your life, in your fandom? 
not all that many in all honesty in all honesty the the last gigs i've actually been to i did two of slashes this year I did doncaster and manchester earlier this year um and then i saw guns last time they were in the uk um in london and that was the most phenomenal thing i've ever been to bearing in mind they split up when i kind of got to know who they were so the number of gigs i've been previously was very you know hardly any the opportunity just wasn't there okay yeah no same for me i i mentioned uh getting a chinese democracy shirt earlier and i bought that at the 2002 uh madison square garden show and that was the the last show of that ill-fated Chinese democracy tour before it blew up in the Philadelphia riot the next day. But like, just like with you, they were already broken up by the time I was really getting into music. So I didn't think I would ever see Slash and Axel on stage again until, uh, not in this lifetime, you know? So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, is there a favorite piece of yours that you've perhaps, uh, one that's above all others, like this is just your masterpiece. That's the somehow the word I couldn't find. Yeah, I've got four actually that I've created. So they are big pieces. They're about 120 high by 60 wide and they're MDF and they're ink and they're in my signature style. I've got one of Slash, got one of Axel, got one of Duff and I've got one of Lemmy. One is on each alcove uh, two in each, two in the dining room, two in the front room. And I made them for me because going back to being that 15-year-old, that's what I could see back then. So it's just a, a bit of a reminder to me that actually I really like my work. You know, you get you speak to a lot of artists who dislike their work they don't hang their work or you know they don't have an interest in the actual subject but because I really only create what I'm interested in what floats my boat what's you know the stuff that ticks my boxes I do have a lot of my work up and I love that I can walk into my house every day and look on the wall and go do you know what I'm so proud of what I've achieved and it's just a, a nice little daily reminder of this is where you are right now, but where are you going to be in two years, four years, or even two months? So, yeah, I'm really quite proud of those, and they hang really nicely. Um, I also have them as um, pop-up boards as well, so if I do events, because I travel around the UK quite a lot doing guitar shows okay. and exhibitions. So they they are on my roll-up banners as well, and it's kind of what I'm known for locally. Um if you see me at an event, people know to come and look for the giant slash or the giant axle. It's just what it is. Um, is this what's on your, and forgive me for stalking, is this the, the, the banner, the Facebook banner that you have? Yeah, I think, I think it's the Facebook banner. Yeah, I've, I kind of try and update them. I think it's on my Facebook page. I'm not sure. But yeah, there is there They're is a, on my Instagram as well. They're brilliant. Uh, the painting of, of the separate ones of Duff, Axel, uh, slash and and Lemmy, they're, I mean, they're phenomenal. They're, there's a reason why you are do, being, why you're able to do what you love for a living because the talent is right there. Uh, and and also, I'd be remiss because if you go on your your Facebook page, your profile picture is you and Slash. How did yeah, you, how- that that was that, that was amazing. Again, that was just 
How'd yeah. you meet him? How'd you meet him? Tell us about that. He is just the the loveliest person. And I know I said this about Jimmy, but he really is a genuinely he is everything that people tell you about. He is completely he's just one of us anyway, you know. Sure. Most people I've had opportunities to meet through my job. They are kind of normal people, but you know, I mean Slash is a living legend. He, one of the most iconic people in the world, but he, he genuinely is everything that you know people ever say about it. And it was a very fleeting moment at the end of a gig earlier this year, again through a mutual friend that enabled that to happen. And I will be forever grateful till the day I die. And it was lovely. And I actually got him to sign my wrist for me and got that tattooed. Oh, nice. You know, I, I used to, again, it goes back to being that 15-year-old that, and what 15-year-old actually thinks that one day that their dreams will, as cliche as it is, you know, a, a, the dream will come true. It's just that, again, it's just a little personal reminder to me that they do. I, I think, though, I, I may be more jealous that you have met uh, at least twice, according, again, to my stalking on your Facebook, my favorite professional wrestler of all time. That is Brett, the Hitman Hart. Oh, yeah, I got to work with him. He's lovely. He's a lovely guy. I worked with him for a week about three years ago, and I've met him quite a few times since then as well. He's lovely. Is he a Guns N' Roses so- fan? we got to get him on the podcast. Is he a Guns N' Roses fan? Do you know? Um, do you know what? I don't think we ever had that conversation. I will have to ask his son. Okay. I'll Done. I can find. I'll find out on that one for you. And uh, <laughs> okay. if I can pass them your way, I certainly will do. I will. I will. Yeah. I never thought about that to be honest, but see, I'll see what I can do. I'm a 15 year old at heart too. So uh, no, I'm I'm with you completely uh, on that. No, that's that's awesome. And you can tell like the the passion behind what you're saying. And again, as I'm scrolling through your your paintings of Lemmy and Slash, are just, I mean, breathtaking. Do you know if? I mean, I know, I know. Obviously, Lemmy has is past now, but do you know if Lemmy or Slash or any of the subjects of your art have have seen them and gotten back to you? Um. Well, Slash owns two of my originals. Beautiful. Of Lemmy, one was gifted to him uh, from a friend that she bought from me. And that's that's kind of where it all began, in all honesty, thanks to just a random painting. And then I gifted him the twin when I got to see him earlier this year. I always knew those two paintings belonged together. And there's an interesting story about the actual painting as well. So on Twitter, there was a competition to find the greatest artwork of Lemmy and I threw my hat into the ring never thinking it would ever go anywhere and I and I mentioned to the guy that this was one that you know was gifted to Flash and it went all the way around the world and ended up being voted the number one and somebody hmm. in Ireland actually then got it tattooed on him which was bizarre but wow. again amazing but it's it, it really is genuine when I think about all the things that I've done and all the people that I've met and all the experiences, it's way beyond what that 15-year-old could ever think hmm. was even possible. Even I now having this conversation with you, can't believe I'm having this conversation with you <laughs> about things I've done, people that I've met, things that I've experienced. Right on. 
No, that's no, that, that's awesome. And you're, I mean, you're still at it. You, the, the, who knows where this is going to continue to take you? So that's what's beautiful about it, that you've accomplished so much already, and there's still like a whole slate in front of you. There's a whole canvas in front of you yet to yeah. be painted. Yeah, that's it. And being an artist, not not in the, you know, there is a, a misconception that we're all a bit airy-fairy and we're a bit, you know, not on this planet or perpetually skin with no business sense, but you couldn't really be any further than the truth with quite a lot of us that do what we do. Um, it's, it's a serious business. It really is. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever done. I'm only seven years in only seven years. Oh, wow. I mean, this is my life. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> You know, and that's that's the beauty of it. It's like, what's going to happen tomorrow? And that's exciting. That's why, you know, there's a certain envy and a certain like fear, I guess, because well, I know radio is hard, but there are specific jobs I can get. It may not be the one that I want, but but there's, there's like always like a there's a four hundred one k you can get paid for it or whatever. But when you're an artist, a musician even a stand-up comedian or whatever, those those kind of talents where you you don't know what tomorrow uh, nah. will, will bring. There's a certain excitement, but I'm sure that's what, what drives you to cre- continue to create and, and be different and, uh, you know, see where your your talent, where the where you hit the, the edges, if there is an edge, and just see where it takes you because you have no limits. Yeah. There, there There's no limits to... It's like yourself. You you don't know who's going to listen to your next podcast and true. go. I've got a great guest for this guy. Let's hook them up. You just you just don't know. You can only ever be authentic. You can only ever be yourself because eventually, if you're not, you're going to get found out. That is very that's, true. The, that's the truth. You know, honesty, integrity, above all else, that's what you need. You you could you could be the most talented person in the world, but if you've just not got the integrity, you've not got the honesty, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't profess to be the best at what I do far from it above average at best, Hmm. but whatever I do, I do it with integrity, with honesty. And I, I approach the people I approach because I genuinely, genuinely believe that I can offer them something maybe a little bit different. I can't be anything else than what I, you know, I can't be anything else than what I actually am. And I, I make no apologies for the things that I'm interested in and the things that I create. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure all these celebrities are fed up to the back teeth of seeing portraits done of themselves mm. by different artists and constantly have it bombarded, you know, on, on social media. That's a whole world that I don't understand. You know, I sit in my little corner of the internet hoping that people like it enough to buy it. But you also have to be proactive as well. You can't rely on Instagram. You can't rely on social media. You know, you, you do have to put the effort into going out and finding what you want as well. You know, you don't know what going to work. I, I could open my Instagram after I finish with you and there could be an opportunity. I don't, I don't know that. Well, very unlikely, but <laughs> I'm always open. Always, I'm always of a mindset of you never know. It's there's two there's two ways that you can kind of look at it. 
you can have an open optimism of this might happen, that could happen, who knows, or that'll never happen, that's never going to be me. And you have to live in the first mindset rather than the second because the way your mind works is putting these positive thoughts out to the to the universe. It does help. It does manifest, you know, whether, whether you believe it or not, I think it does. And you do have to have that tenacity as well of wanting to continue to do that every day because it is hard. You know, I mean, I would hate to have been an artist even 20 years ago. No social media. You know, a lot of my foundation has been built on social media. A lot of new bands now rely on social media and streaming services to get out there. So Sure. No, I'm with you. I mean, look at podcasting. I I couldn't have done. I can't do this podcast 10 years ago. No way. No. No way. And that's the amazing thing about social media and all the technology that we have. Creatives have never had it so good. I know. I know musicians do a raw deal with streaming services, and I do think there has to be a better way for the artists to directly benefit from their own music. I know it is a bit of a touchy subject, um, but... You know, I guess it, it is still new. It's, it's still new. You know, every day is new in social media and and podcasting and and streaming. But I'd like to think that, you know, the monopoly isn't necessarily with the technology, but, you know, you know it's, it's handed back to the artist. It would be nice to see that anyway. We're on the on the, we're, we are all on this uh, artistic night train together. Or we're just hanging on for our dear lives. Uh yeah. Two, uh, I guess, quick questions to wrap up this fan obsession segment. So, one, what is your favorite Guns N' Roses song? Oh, God, that's like trying to pick a favorite child. <laughs> you, can't, you can't ask me that. Um, my most favorite, my most favorite is always going to be November Rain. I know it's cliche. I know no, it's typical it's, and average. but it's my favorite. So, uh, no, you, you won points with me. You know, um, I walked down the aisle to that song. Nice. There's... Uh, you know, there's a lot of life-affirming moments since I first heard that track. I think it was 94, 93, 94, first heard that track. Can't remember now. God, I've slept many times since then. But, you know, I can... I, ironically, it's one of the only tracks I can't work to. Hmm. So I, I, I can't work to that track full stop. I don't know why. You've got to listen to it. You've got to be in it. Can't work to it. Or Estranged. A stranger is a great one to paint to. Right on. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine when you're in that headspace with that song. Oh for sure. No, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, certainly we have the, we have the same favorites. Oh, what painting dolphins? No, well, estranged as a color would have to be quite blue, whereas November rain is quite silver, quite white. Hmm. I could probably give all the songs. Paradise City. There's a lot of bright. Green, bright, uh, bright pink, and pearlescent. It's it's very strange that I can kind of see colours that go with certain songs. It's great. Mm-hmm. I've not actually got around to doing anything with that. I don't think I've developed enough yet to be able to do anything with it decent. But that is something that I'm banking. I'm banking that for the future. I'm curious uh, when that um, when you follow that path, what that. Uh, formulates into what that what that what eventually will become that idea because I like that certain songs being represented by colors what it manifests into 
Uh, uh, I look forward to, you know, not, not rushing any, uh, not rushing the talent, not not rushing the artistic integrity of it. But when it does manifest itself, I want to see it. Maybe 20 odd years of listening to him isn't just quite enough yet. Not yet. <laughs> and also, um, what is your favorite piece of Guns N' Roses memorabilia? Is it the slash autograph, the tattoo, which is now tattooed, or is it something else, uh, G&R, that's uh, very near and dear to you? Oh, goodness me. Yeah, the, the tattoo. And in all honesty, I don't keep or have a lot of memorabilia. It could be a T-shirt. Um, just be a T-shirt or a ticket stub, something like that. I ju- yeah, I just, yeah, I would probably say the jacket that I made for myself because that that really was a moment that I realized, yes, girl, we're going somewhere now. And it, again, it was it was going back to being that fifteen year old. So that and the tattoo. Some people may agree with me when I say when when you work for yourself, possessions really aren't anything because you spend so much time investing your energy and your money into your business and getting off the ground. Your priorities change. So I kind of let go of a lot of things. I mean, I've got all my original CDs from the nineties. So, and again, they're important to me as well, but the memories of things that I've done, people I've met go way above and beyond any kind of merch or memorabilia. That's, that's, what, guess, that's all it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear yeah. you. No, that, that's special to you. And that's, you know, when I asked that that question, because um, I, I, I want to get consistent with at least with a couple of questions to keep it fun when we do these fan obsession segments. And, you know, it's whatever's special to you. And, you know, your jacket, your tattoo, uh, they're both original to you. No one could take that. They're they're yours. So that's, you know, those are the perfect answers, to be honest. And, and you know, November rain walking down the aisle. I asked my. I think my girlfriend already said she she likes GNR, not to my level, but she's like, I don't know if I could walk down to November Rain. She's like, maybe Dave Matthews. I'm like, I'm not doing Dave Matthews. So we got to figure out something in between Guns N' Roses and Dave Matthews that we're both okay walking down the aisle to. <laughs> I did jokingly say get in the ring, but that went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. everyone else can be a judge for themselves. I mean, the work speaks speaks for itself. Uh, Lee Williams Art. So it's a Lee L E A uh, Williams Art uh, custom wear by Lee Williams on Facebook. Lee Williams Art on on Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, those are the best ways to to keep up with you and all your the cool things that you're working on. Absolutely, most stuff kind of goes on there. Um, anybody that's in the UK that does the guitar that hangs out at the guitar shows can find me there as well. Tattoo shows. Um, I do try and get around quite a bit in the UK. Right I love on. traveling around. Absolutely love it. Right on. I would love on stateside. Would love to get over to LA, New York, of course. That's an amazing, you know, that's an amazing place full stop. I'm glad that you were in New York to be the catalyst, the facilitator of the uh, upcoming Jimmy Webb uh, interviews. So uh, it looks like that'll probably be the next time that I speak with you and you get to play co-host. You get to add that to your resume. So that you just, you're going to absolutely adore Jimmy. But if nobody list or if anybody listening has never heard of Jimmy, you'll never, you'll never forget him. Put it that way. 
<laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. But I was also looking forward to this conversation with you, Lee, uh, that we had today. So just thanks so much for your time. Obviously, thanks for being such a great guest booker. And uh, just the, the best to you. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, definitely. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. So that does it for episode 163 of Appetite for Distortion. You will hear Lee in our next episode, on our next episode, wherever the correct verbiage is, with Jimmy Webb, who will be in studio here uh, at the iHeart Studios, right where I work. So he's coming in, and it's going to be just an awesome time. He, I can't believe he's he's excited to come into a radio studio on, on Christmas Eve. That's when we're recording that conversation so i'm excited for it and for those of you who have met jimmy i mean you're all kind of telling me what i'm in for you know just this giant you know fireball of positivity and just a just a badass rock and roll dude so looking forward to that and as far as other guests on uh, on the way uh, i know mike squires also wants to come in studio again of course who does our awesome theme song from duff mckagan's Loaded. We will be speaking still with Chesney and Atkins, who many confused for new Guns N' Roses music during the whole you know, hashtag GNR leakgate uh, 2019. That's a made up hashtag. Uh, but when a lot of stuff was leaking, people were, were looking for it and they found these kind of not old tunes, but they had been around for a while thinking that they were Guns N' Roses and, and perhaps even uh, stuff recorded with Slash. It sounded that good. No, it was some dudes named Chesney and Atkins. Not not the, the country, you know, Chesney and Atkins. But So they're going to be on the show, and these, they're going to share some, I believe, new music with us, with maybe even some former Guns N' Roses members, they were telling me. So we're going to get something soon that sounds like new Guns N' Roses music, but it's not. It's kind of weird. So, of course, the best way to keep up to date with all the guests and uh, if you want to get questions in to the guests or perhaps even co-host or be or submit a, a guest. And, and then, yeah, that's how you co-host like like Lee or you can do uh, a fan obsession. So Lee showing you what could be done. You can be interviewed about some cool stuff about what you have going on in your Guns N' Roses fandom. And then she got me a guest. So she gets to play co-host. So submit a message to me, DM or whatever you however you feel comfortable. Uh, Facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. In the meantime, please follow, subscribe, tell a friend about this awesome podcast. If I do say so myself, whether you found us via alternative nation.net, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you found us. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out. You are the reason why I get to do this. So let's keep doing it. So when will you see the next episode? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.